Welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario. Coming to you from the other London, let's start the show. And uh, welcome back to GradCast. Uh, we are here uh, again, still in the uh, beautiful old Ivy Building, uh, if you know it as that. Today we are uh, we have the privilege of talking to uh, Dr. Pam uh, Bishop, who is currently the Associate Dean um, of the Graduate Programs and Associate Professor of Educational Leadership in the Faculty of Education at Western. And she was the keynote speaker today um, at the uh, Graduate, uh, sorry, at the Western Research Forum. Um, so uh, it's a pleasure having you uh, on uh, with us today, Pam, Thank Dr. You. Uh, Bishop. So tell us a little bit of, um, about your work and what you. Uh, what's the message that you're trying to uh, to give to to anybody who's listening today who may be interested in research, interested in leadership, um, and things of that nature. Hmm. So today in my talk, I was pitching to the students uh, who were there that they should step up to be formal leaders early in their careers and also recognise some of the things that they currently do which really are leadership initiatives and signs that they show good decision making judgement or good skills around what they do that makes a difference in a leadership way. Okay, okay. So I know again this might be a a very, very generalised question but uh, what do you feel makes a great leader? What are qualities? What are things that maybe people can work on to be a great leader? Well, I think of the late Nelson Mandela or Aung San Suu Kyi, uh, two individuals who've given a lot of their life to causes greater than themselves, to the quest for freedom for citizens in their countries. Leaders who have strong value systems, who are believers in a socially just world or a fairer world, believers that the greater good is more important than what they gain from life, that they have privilege and enjoyment from helping others prosper, they're usually the sorts of people who lead well. And the reason why uh, focusing on others' matters is because most of us who end up in formal leadership positions are usually pretty privileged individuals. All of the students in attendance today were clearly remarkable students. The nature of the questions that they asked, the probing that they subjected to their fellow students to, the nature of their claims, they were all significant arguments around good evidence. They were drawing on science or social science to make their arguments all good signs of a clear thinker, somebody who can entertain complexity, because for sure the 21st century is going to be increasingly complex. We're at an early stage now in the 21st century where a lot of problems remain uncontrolled. We haven't been able to curb some of the more punishing elements of the world, the lack of peace universally, the inability of a lot of Indigenous peoples to be treated fairly, the lack of food for children in some parts of the world, poverty on the rise even in Western countries such as Canada, uh, particular demographies in Canada experiencing carrying the burden of poverty disproportionately. Those sorts of things require good leadership. And it doesn't just have to be leaders 
at the top of an organisation or an institution. It can be ordinary people who are not necessarily well educated. It can be people who have a good heart, people who are kind, people who can see something of a big picture. But in terms of the grad students, they have outstanding intellect. They have the ability to problem solve, to cast aside particular factors, to clarify what should be the priorities. All of the things that they've learned well around being a good researcher are the sorts of things that help an individual become a good leader. That's very encouraging to hear, especially as a graduate student. I mean, sometimes we, we get lost in what our projects. I mean, it's, it's hard even developing the confidence to be confident in what you're researching. And over time, you know, sometimes you feel a bit lost. So hearing those encouraging words, I'm, I'm sure a lot of graduate students can, can be encouraged from hearing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you uh, bring forth this idea that becoming a, a leader early in your field. And, yes. and um, if you want to elaborate a little bit more on that and what's the importance, especially for mm-hmm. graduate students, um, sometimes we're, we're a little hesitant to be a leader. We feel that maybe there's a better expert out sure. there or somebody mm-hmm. who knows more. So what, what, what's your advice for the grad mm-hmm. students there? Very good insights, Andrew. So one thing that many PhD students would have heard from their supervisors is there's a fine line, especially at examination, between being authoritative and being humble, Mm -hmm. right? At that very moment, you have to uh, walk a fine line to establish that you are on solid ground with your study and your understanding of your study, but also not the professor. In a similar vein, with leadership, people can step up and work well as a team-playing leader early on in their career. Why do we need to have that? We need to have that because the nature of complexity around the nature of problems that we've got to deal with, diminishing water supplies, uh, problems over pollution with oil, future sources of energy, nuclear troubles, uh, countries unwilling to negotiate. All of these sorts of things are with us right now. Have they been here before? Yes, but in in a different way in some instances. And with the combination of major challenges facing the planet, we need to have lots of people who can attend to all sorts, literally thousands of these issues, and bring a very strong mind to problem solving. Why? Because the problems are complex, so you've got to get people, young graduates, who understand (laughs) complexity, stepping forward, offering ways of seeing how something can be improved. And it's, it's a burden, in a sense, because leadership is not always easy. It's not something you do to be popular. Like if you're looking for someone who loves being popular, leadership's probably not the area to be, unless you want to be in politics maybe. (laughs) But leading well is about trying to locate a sound resolution to a problem, to bring people in, to use the disparate skills and talents of others so that it's not about a Hollywood story of look at me. It's about working with people to help them become the best they can be and to help them make a better world through the nature of judgments and decisions that they make around problem solving. 
we're wanting, I mean, in this amazing university, we're wanting more Canadians, more citizens across the world to experience a better life. Why? Because we know how good it is. We take for granted, and I said this to the students today, we take for granted walking out of our apartments or walking out of our houses every day. Most of us, perhaps with the exception of domestic violence victims and survivors, most of us assume we're going to be safe. We're not going to be shot. We're more likely to be in a car accident. But that is a minority of the world. The majority of the world do not live in democracies and the majority of the world do not experience the safe, rich lives that most, most Canadians experience. Yeah, we are we are truly blessed on on this side of the world. I I don't mean to share a personal story, but I, I just recently, actually, uh, two weeks ago, I threw up my back, and I know that's it's something that's kind of uncommon for a younger person to experience. But during that time, you, you really do notice how many things you take for granted. So just just getting up in the morning, and then on top of all the benefits of living in a country like Canada, and um, often I feel, especially amongst our our generation, we, we we feel like we might be a little entitled to all these privileges, and we're we're not accustomed to anything you know like the other sides of the world where you know there's wars and there's famine and disease or we may overlook those types of things that are even existing in our own yeah. uh, home so just an, a, another additional question I was wondering what are you what are some barriers or or things that you feel that might need to be immediately addressed from let's say graduate students who have the impact who have the ability to impact the future what do you feel some things that we need to address to to change to ensure that we are we are moving in the right direction Oh, very good question. Well, I think having a mentor or several mentors helps graduate students on a number of levels. Number one, I think despite the remarkable talents of graduate students, they don't realise how amazingly um, capable they are. Mm -hmm. I, I think they they don't see them positioned, they don't see themselves positioned in the ways that many other members of society and many professors see them. They are truly very talented individuals. Um, across a labour market, they are a very impressive group of people because they can make significant contributions to an organisation, whether it's a not-for-profit organisation or a business uh, a hospital, police service, whatever. We know for the 21st century, increasingly jobs are going to be intellectual jobs. Right? Robotics is going to shape some of, some of that. But we will still have a significant need for young people to enter the labour market and to fairly early on in their careers show that they've got some interest. If somebody hasn't tap them on the shoulder. They need to go forward and indicate an interest in being able to contribute further in different ways to the organisation. Why do they need to do that? Well, they need to do that because they've got, clearly they've got the makings of being impressive leaders. They understand evidence, so they understand, and we were talking about this this morning, they understand the value of having a consistent demeanour, a strong set of values and beliefs, uh, an ability to see the importance of being ethical leaders, being inclusive, the value of bringing others with them in an organisation, the importance of pursuing um, 
integral goals within an organisation. They're all things that very polished graduate students understand how to do. And so with a mentor, you can have somebody help you to isolate the key things that you offer. It's easy for us to write our own script, but sometimes, as you said, people are reluctant or can't recognise it. But with the help of a mentor, you can have somebody say, hey, I've seen you do this and this and this. You are articulate. You deal with tensions and dilemmas very well. When somebody is in chaos or conflict, I've seen you go to them and be kind. I've seen you be forgiving when people have been unreasonable with you. I've also seen you be very resilient in the face of a heavy student load. You're sharing with other students when students were showing vulnerability or just didn't understand something was very impressive. They're the sorts of things that a mentor, it could be a supervisor, it might be a professor, it might be another student they will have seen in you and can share those impressions with you. That's the fodder that you can take with you into an interview so that when you're asked in an interview, what do you think you bring to this organisation potentially, you have some material about yourself, uh, hopefully, that others can see on the day. Yes, um, I think you're talking about like that issue with graduate students where it's hard for us to see our, our own worth, right? And sometimes we connect that worth to completing my research, getting published, you know, completing um, my work and, you know, doing the next thing. And there's always something else on that to-do list I have to do before I'm good enough. Yes. Instead of just being good enough now. Yes. Well, absolutely. Um, I was sharing this morning that PhD students are extremely special. Even in a rich country like Canada, fewer than 2% of Canadians have a PhD. Immediately, that has segregated you in the labour market. The next thing, as a graduate student, you get to keep that, that qualification for 40 or 50 years in the labour market. That's a lot of use of a qualification that symbolises that you have a capacity for the, the most advanced thinking around issues. Um, it is important to have somebody to understand all of the strengths that you bring with the conversation, the ability to translate for the employer to help them see the extent of your potential contributions. You have to have that repertoire. And so it's through getting somebody to help you identify those strengths early on, you can prosper in those interviews. And that's really important because here's the thing, and I said this uh, to the students this morning, by and large, PhD students have the least unemployment over a lifetime. That's simply a fact for now. It may change, of course, but it's been with us for a long time. That's how it is in Canada. However, there are caveats to that. If you don't work well, if you don't get along with people, if you're not flexible, if you don't adapt in the workplace, if you're not a good fit for the organisation, they're the qualifiers, hey? So that's how we do have instances that people can sometimes say, well, I know somebody who has a PhD who's driving a taxi. Okay, well, if it's not due to other factors, race, 
uh, immigration and so on, it may be that there's not been a good fit with that person. So the challenge for graduate students is not so much to get the skills because they've got them, it's for them to understand how they can share with a prospective employer the raft of their talents that they can bring to the organisation to help it prosper. I, I was actually recently reading um, about a major issue that graduate students um, going into the workforce experiences, the imposter syndrome, where, where they're very high achieving, you know, they've done a lot of extracurriculars, they're very engaged in their programs, and now when going into the real world, they are still you know, lacking maybe the confidence, if, mm -hmm. if for lack of a better word, to to share the knowledge that they've learned over their years as a graduate student. So just uh, being an expert in the field and especially trying, um, or especially for graduate students who listen to it, what kind of um, encouragements or even um, th like little techniques that you, you believe that can help um, students overcome this, mm -hmm. um, to be confident in what they know? Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of confidence, there is a book now, it's not a new book, it was first published in 2006, called Confidence, written by Rosabeth Moss Cantor. It's an excellent book for $20 or get it electronically. It's worth reading as a graduate student. Why? Because it gives you insight into the psychology of working with people, uh, whether you're a sports coach, whether you are a director of a major multinational com company, uh, whether you're in government how various points in an organisation's life, uh, confidence comes forward and can be a tipping point either for the better or for the worst. Uh, students need to look at something like that as one example. If they are open to going to SGPS sessions, which are run regularly for graduate students around uh, moving into work, I think they're great places to engage with. The thing about workplaces is that the rules of engagement are in some ways different to what students have experienced as graduate students. Mm -hmm. Clearly, students doing PhD programs and master's programs are highly successful learners by and large. And so when they're going into a workplace, they have to show their ability to learn. But the learning may be different to the learnings that they've had, especially as graduate students, where they're refining more and more about a smaller and smaller area. In a workplace, it can be more broad-based learning. And they have to learn that there are other people sometimes in the workplace who feel that they've been there longer that they know the rules of the game better and that they're not necessarily seeing that they want to work effectively with everybody who is new to the organisation. Those sorts of things have, have marked workplaces for decades. With the work that students can bring to the employer, that should be uppermost in the mind of the student who is about to embark on a career or some employment with an organisation. Relying on people who are in formal leadership positions to give them guidance, as well as getting a mentor in the workplace, will be really important for them. Some people have many mentors. It really is a matter of trying to get something that works for you at the time. Settling into a, a full-time job unlike being a grad student who's doing many hours of work, is um, 
quite a challenge. But it's a challenge that can be uh, offset to some extent by being very observant. That's what our grad students are. By being an excellent listener, by being articulate, by being thoughtful. And they are the features that I see in the graduate students regularly. Very, very polished individuals as learners and people who really are, in terms of the values I hear them speak about, very keen to make a contribution to Canada or a better world. And even though, on the one hand, it might sound a bit glib, in another sense, the actual work that they do, whether it's volunteering work or in their engagements here with the Grad Society, uh, all of that is an indication of a willingness to contribute to something bigger than themselves. And what about in terms of being an entrepreneur? Like saying, you know what, um, I can't find an organization, um, you know, or I, an organization I want to be a part of, or I want to create my own. Like, what about that being, uh, creating your own business or your own social enterprise or nonprofit? Plaudits, plaudits to anyone who does that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that's wonderful. My suggestion would be, if you're thinking of doing that, to again look at a lot of the literature around entrepreneurs and entrepreneurialism. I think we have people in the business faculty uh, here who've written uh, a lot of uh, articles on that very topic. I'd be looking there, I'd be looking mm -hmm. at the quality evidence around it, looking mm -hmm. at the issues of innovation and what are the risk factors, what are the qualities needed, how much... Uh, how much money you have to have to get yourself to a point where you can survive as an entrepreneur who you enlist. Uh, again, getting somebody who is an entrepreneur, an effective or successful entrepreneur, able to coach you or mentor you mm -hmm. through the early years of doing that is fantastic. One mm -hmm. thing is very clear for a rich society like Canada with a small population and uh, an abiding desire to constantly improve the quality of lives in this nation, we do need innovation and mm -hmm. entrepreneurs are a major part of that. If Canada doesn't innovate, we will struggle to maintain the privileges and the quality of living that we've had. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes having a master's degree or a PhD degree on your resume can also be a block, like it can be a barrier to employment. Um, because the organization needs to be willing to pay you more money in some situations, as well as be strong enough to have someone on their team that is going to be that clear thinker, that is going to ask questions and may, maybe shake up the organization a little bit. So in these situations where you can't find employment, then, you know, it's good to know that as grad students, you know, then we can create our own and create those businesses that we need. Um, moving forward so well you are right I mean intellectually your ability to identify gaps mm -hmm. to identify opportunities where you can position yourself is so true mm -hmm. uh, it's not an easy path you look at the, the literally the bodies to the side from mm -hmm. many efforts to be entrepreneurial and to actually get a new product up or something that's quite unique oftentimes um, the perils of business can interfere with 
best laid plans. However, again, graduate students have learned to use evidence well. And with that, that means for people who are interested in making a path in that direction, using good evidence, not romantic versions of, I get to do this in a way that doesn't curb my engagement with a particular interest that I have. Um, Using good evidence to leave you with a strong sense of risk, a strong Mm -hmm. sense of your ability, perhaps Mm -hmm. the working opposite, a trust in oneself, Mm -hmm. trust in the path that you've chosen, abilities to work with others at necessary points, all of those things are good. But I would encourage, again, students to go to the business literature, to some of the other literature around it, which looks at the promise and perils of being an entrepreneur in Canada. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Okay. Bishop, that uh, unfortunately is the, is the mm-hmm. uh, extent of our time today, but it was an absolute pleasure to have you today. And I'm sure anybody listening to this, whether graduate student or not, would definitely be encouraged. I know a lot of us have uh, different fears in entering the workforce or what to do after our graduate schools, but it's very good to hear, especially from an expert that, you know, we are competent, we are, we are, we, our generation might get a little more uh, uh, beef than we, we'd like to hear, to be honest, but it's great to hear, and it was an absolute pleasure again to have you. Thank you so much. Yes, thanks to both of you. Thank you. That's all we got for this week. If you like this episode, share it with someone. Check us all out on Twitter and Facebook, both you can find through Gradcast Radio. You can go to our website to see more episodes at gradcastradio.ca. And if you want to come on the show and talk about your own research, great line for your CV, go to gradcastradio at gmail.com. The theme is Happy Boy by Kevin McLeod, and we will see you guys next time.